Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. On this episode of Big Boys Don't Cry, we discuss the film Do the Right Thing. You don't have to have seen the film to enjoy the podcast, but if you do listen without having seen the film, just be aware that we will talk about the plot, so there may be spoilers. Enjoy. So now that we've hello. lost all of our listeners, hello. <laughs> Check this out. I was trying to learn careless whisper for you, but it's really difficult. Oh, I can imagine. I can imagine. It's sounding good, though. I'm loving the Jurassic Park. Yeah, this is um, this is the automaton, as it is as it is called. I thought I used to think it was automaton, but it, uh, apparently it's pronounced automaton and. It's got a little little face. It's like a cute little musical note, and it goes. It's the most ridiculously sensitive instrument, and it's amazing. It's really, really hard to play. There's a lot of YouTube videos, people playing it makes it look easy. No, it's quite difficult. I tried to play Honky Tonk Badonkadonk. That didn't go well (laughs) to do it for our theme music. has got very nice vibrato hasn't it it does i think that is the the musical instrument that most sums up this podcast I'd <laughs> yeah say. um it's it's ridiculous yet skilled mm-hmm. and sounds a bit like a fart yeah. <laughs> ludicrous cute infuriating sensitive <laughs> sensitive <laughs> yeah does not cry <laughs> Exactly, exactly. Um, so, how are you today? Are you enjoying yeah, I'm good. this heat? This oh yeah, it's my favorite heat. Love it. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's it's very bad. I, you need to find like there's only kind of one room in the house that's cool, and I was trying to work in there, but it's also the room where the sofa is. So you know, I'm getting aches in my back, and yeah, not good. Uh, it's the the cool room. It's where all the cool kids hang out. Yeah, exactly. Smoking, it's where um playing pogs, etc. <laughs> pogs. LL Cool J was in there this morning. Oh yeah, yeah. Excellent stuff. Do you know what LL Cool J stands for? Lawrence Lawrence Cool Joseph. That's basically it. Yeah. No, it's ladies love Cool James. <laughs> I mean, that's a fact- <laughs> factually accurate statement. Yeah, it's a bit like how you know that. Lou Baker's real name is David Lou Baker. It's yeah. another one of those music facts. Or Bon Bon Jovi, as his name. Yeah, that's his real uh, John name. John Bonathan Jovi. Yeah, Jonathan Bonathan Jonathan. That's yeah, what it is. <laughs> uh, well, we're halfway there. Yeah, it's just halfway <laughs> through saying his name. Yeah. Well, Jonathan Bonathan Jovi. <laughs> exactly. Ro- rolls off the tongue. Perfect for your wedding disco. <laughs> Exactly, exactly. Um, so, yes, it is hot out. No, can't <laughs> I think it. it's time to put it down. <laughs> I'll turn my camera off now, so you, you don't know if I've got if I'm holding it. You? <laughs> but I can certainly it. hear it. <laughs> I'm going to turn my camera back on just to try you. What does, this works really well over radio. What does what, what does your young child think of the uh, automaton? The the first time I got it out right and and like um, played a note, he like burst into tears and he was really upset by it. <laughs> <laughs> and then, like um, a couple of minutes later, after he'd sort of shown it to him and he'd had a look and he touched it and stuff, I then j- did this. 
funniest thing he'd ever seen in his life. He was like rolling around laughing. He's got used to it. He's got used to it. Yeah. So no, he he loves it. He thinks it's hilarious. Can can I talk about a purchase that I made recently? Um, yes, I think we should start each episode by <laughs> sharing all the purchases we've made thanks to losing our mind in lockdown. So um, I am a I am an adult man, and so of course. <laughs> I can't believe that you needed to tell me that after almost 160 episodes. Um, so of course I've bought myself a baby Yoda doll. Um, <laughs> baby Yoda doll. Um, it is supposedly there as a late birthday present to my other half, um, who adores Aww. baby Yoda. But secretly, it's also because I want a baby Yoda doll. The so my other half loves it, um, and I love it. However, the other member of our household, the cat, <laughs> does not like it and is incredibly scared of the baby Yoda doll. Um, oh, no. Which is, yeah, it's really weird. So have you seen that thing where um, where people put cucumbers down and cats get scared of them and jump away because they think they're snakes? No. It's, it's this phenomenon I did not know that, that quite a lot of cats, if you sneakily put a cucumber down behind them and then you sort of click your fingers so they look at it, they they spring up and run away because it's clearly some kind of defense mechanism where they think that looks like a snake. Uh oh. Um, Minnie does not care yeah, about that. Yeah, it looks that. a lot like a snake. <laughs> Minnie doesn't care about that. She's like, why have you got a cucumber and why is it there near me? I can't eat that. That doesn't taste nice. Um, however, she does not like Baby Yoda. I'm very disappointed in her. Um, it might be the final straw, you know, because we're, yeah, we're a household like, that There's loves no Baby way Yoda. he looks like a threat. No, no. Um, and I don't know whether it's like the big head and it kind of wobbles um, because obviously it's very top heavy. So I wonder whether it's something like that where it doesn't like, where the cat doesn't like the movement of the doll or something. Does it stand up? Not really. No, it can stand up. Um, so it's basically like a bean bag underneath and then a baby Yoda head on top. It is one of the official. Oh, yeah. I meant your cat. <laughs> no, she can't stand up. Uh, she she, she rolls everywhere. <laughs> She she <laughs> she just rolls around constantly. She cannot walk. Um, yeah, but it's it's very weird. It's it's really strange. And so um, you know we've got to be careful where we put it. And like if we're if we're playing with the baby Yoda doll, the cat might be very very annoyed and like puff up and run away. It's an, oh, it's amazing. It's, it's, it's yeah, our cat is a weird cat. We think there's definitely something wrong with it somewhere in terms of its wiring. Yeah, clearly not scared of snakes, but is scared of baby Yoda. You want to take it back to the shop, get it checked out. <laughs> it's like, oh, someone's put their batteries in backwards. That's what it is. Yeah. Um, this, yeah this is. I feel batteries. like this is a good segment. Lockdown purchases. Here is all of the shit that we bought in lockdown. <laughs> <laughs> it's got um, it's, it's got three octaves, so this is low. <laughs> And then this is high. Oh, God. Please never play it on the high octave ever, ever again. <laughs> I was playing it on medium before. Well, it seems fine. Low, I guess, is fine. It's, low is a little bit... It's almost like grindcore. <laughs> low is my I favorite. am losing my mind in lockdown. But soon we'll be able to go outside. Oh yeah, soon it, lockdown's going to be completely over. It's going to be fine. It's basically already over. The pubs are opening, so it's fine. I'm going to go to the pub <laughs> and get drunk to, and get coronavirus. You're going to do your moral <laughs> duty of going down the pub and getting sick, both in terms of throwing up and catching a deadly disease. Yeah, that exactly. Is and not only catching it, do. but giving it to loads of other people as well. Yeah, that, that, is, that is our duty, our civic duty as English people to go and do that. Um, Please note, everyone, it's not the entire UK that is doing this. Please remember Wales and Scotland no. and Northern Ireland, who are, <laughs> are not having, who are not having any of this bullshit. Um, so I take it you're not going to be running down the pub um, on July the 4th? No, I don't think so. No. That's the day before my birthday as well, so I'd yeah. have every excuse, but no. Yeah, I'm. I uh, I, we will not be doing that either. Um, we'll be taking it very careful here because I don't want to get other people sick more than anything else. And that that's kind of been the main thing that I've been thinking on in this lockdown is like, you know, if I got sick, I'd probably be okay. But what about everyone that I spread it to? And yeah, exactly. Remember, remember that. Don't just think about I'm all right. Think about 
what the impact could be on other people. And also, have you ever really wanted to listen to what Boris Johnson's told you and actually do it? Hell no. Why would you do it now? He has <laughs> literally never said anything useful in his life ever. <laughs> how, how often has Boris Johnson been right about anything in his entire career or life? I imagine even as a child, he was doing things that were wrong. Um, yeah. So, yeah, Boris Johnson, young kid, two plus two is five. That's wrong, Boris. That's all it went downhill from there. That's all yeah. I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> Couldn't even do math. Three hundred and fifty million a week for his pocket money. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Um, so there's no Boris Johnson in our film this week. No, um, there is not. But it's always good to remember to, the the film's title has a good sentiment, which is you know do the right thing. Well, that is the title, and you know it's as applicable to today as to any era, right? Yeah, and I mean it, it's a very timely. Um, movie to watch for obvious reasons given the plot it's been a fair few years since I um, last watched this have you seen it before? yes yeah um, but a fair few years ago Um, and it's it's still incredibly impactful Um, you know there's a reason why this film has such acclaim around it Um, it's it's a a great movie I think one of Spike Lee's best Um, and you know it's it's powerful but also it's got a lot of humor in there um and what i really love about it is that you know it's got this this title do the right thing but what it it shows a bunch of you know flawed characters within it and it shows mm-hmm. it shows um you know there's there's no clear heroes in the film um there are some villains obviously um, but it shows more the, the deep human element of life and, and the flawed elements of life in that way that I think very few movies manage to do. And it does it in such an unconventional manner. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, it's a bold decision to to make a film where it doesn't have that clear-cut conclusion. It doesn't have that satisfactory ending. And, and in a way, it, it doesn't, you know, it, it doesn't really answer the question of doing the right thing. Um, which is no, and it doesn't. It doesn't want to answer it, it. Yeah. either. It's it's just it wants you to consider what is the right thing. And on that note, you know, before we dive into you know really deep stuff about the film itself, um, on that note, people are always there's always some discussion about did Mookie do the right thing in the film Spike Lee's character when he threw the bin through the window of the pizzeria, and Spike Lee has said in interviews that it's only ever white people who ask him that question. It's only ever white people who are kind of wrestling with that as a dilemma, and that other people are like, well, that's maybe not the question to ask. You know, you, you have to view it in context or whatever, and that's all kind of assumed. But, um, you know, white people always view it through the prism of that their guilt, I suppose. Right? Yeah, and, and, and I think it's, it's also, it's looking for that, that clear, defined answer, isn't it? is you know oh we need to know what the right thing is but you know is it does it does it really need to answer that and i don't don't think it does it's a film about emotion and about emotional reaction and about heritages of different kinds and what that means in a society that is that is oppressive um and i think that's one of the best things that this this film does in the way that it frames it is um you know, it looks at the system and the way that the system um, is oppressive in that way. Um, like it, it, the, bringing it back to c- coronavirus, I've seen a lot of people saying, um, "Oh, is the is the virus going to kill off the the theatre industry or the music industry?" And no, it's not the virus that's going to kill those things off. It's capitalism that's going to kill those things off. Yeah. You know, we've had countless plagues over the years and theatre and music have continued fine. At the moment, though, there is a requirement for that commodity um, because of the, the system that we live in. And that's what's causing these issues. You know, that that's what's causing these theatres to, to close down. That's what's causing these music venues to close down. Um, yeah, of course. If we lived in a, a system that actually, in a society and a governmental structure that actually provided for people during times of crisis, you know, consistently, which is possible economically and physically and with all the resources that we have both on a level of countries and on a global scale as well, I believe it is possible. If we lived in, you know, a society that actually did that and where, you know, the first duty of the state was to, you know, 
uphold a basic standard of living for everyone, then it wouldn't even be a question, would it? No, no, exactly. And and I think there's there is that um there there is that question within this film as well is, you know, um and but but it's not as clear cut as um as like give peace a chance and 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 find community and things like that because this is a movie that's cleverer than that. Um <laughs> give peace a chance. Um because I I find that that's that's one of the most um sorry for having another incredibly political episode by the way to our listeners I, well I promise... with this choice of film i think it was always going to happen yeah, was it? Yeah. Wasn't it? if you're if you're listening to a podcast about this film i don't think you're going into it expecting it to be apolitical no no but, not that you should think that about anything as but, but, but objective you know. reviews are the most important kind of reviews yeah of course they? i like the film the film looked good it yeah. had good acting <laughs> <laughs> I'd give the sound design seven out of ten. You throw out some words like cinematography and production design, and Mise en talk scene. about Dutch angles <laughs> and then Dutch angle. ovens. You know, <laughs> you throw all that out there it makes you sound makes you sound big and clever. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, but yeah, you know, it's impossible to come into this movie and not talk about you know the climate that it was created in, talk about the context um, of what happened with its release as well, and and to um then talk about its place in the current climate and you know i think it's i think it's just as important now as it was then um and you know i i like the fact that it doesn't give you you know it doesn't give you that milk toast um oh just be just be yeah it doesn't give you that wet milk just be peaceful and everything will be fine but it also you know i i think the you know it ends with you know those two quotes one from martin luther king and one from malcolm x and um that's kind of the it encapsulates the entire point of the movie doesn't it is you there's all of these different um theories and and um and ideologies around race relations and around community um and how best to combat injustice um and it can get messy and anger can spill over um yeah and and you know it's it's looking at what the root cause of that is um, and how that kind of systemic racism can seep into places which you wouldn't expect it to be, and in and in places that are supposedly allies as well. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, what what happened with its um, with its release? I don't know if I'm well necessarily fully aware of that. Well, it's really interesting because <laughs> you look at you look at you look at do the right thing now, and you think um, it's. You know, it's it, it's it's not a controversial movie. It's a very powerful, emotional, intelligent film. But you wouldn't necessarily look at it and think of it as being controversial. But actually, when it came out, um, it's not there, Lars von Trier, is it? No, exactly. There's there's no wolf saying chaos reigns. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, um, you got the two quote, three quotes at the end: Malcolm X, Martin Luther King, and then a wolf just turns around and goes, <laughs> yeah, "Chaos reigns." Yeah, Foxy boy. Yeah. The, the chaos fox um it was like photoshopped into that photo of martin luther king and malcolm x yeah it's just there um yeah so um so actually some people said when the film came out that it might incite black audiences to riot right um and um and that's that's a really strange response to this film because i think it's it's not insightful in that way. I think it's really intelligent. And in fact, it's maybe a little bit more peaceful than, um, than some other movies that cover similar subject matter. Um, yeah. And so I did read about that actually. And I read that wasn't Spike Lee's response. Like, well, do white people go out and shoot people after watching Arnold Schwarzenegger movies? Yes. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Pretty, um, which, you know, sums it up and says that, you know, that response to the film is racist. Yes, precisely. Um, you know, you, you wouldn't, look at um a, a, a different movie like an arnold schwarzenegger film like a sylvester stallone movie um no and, people aren't think... all going out and whipping each other after watching 50 shades of gray right <laughs> no well some people are <laughs> speak for yourself um whatever you and baby yoda get up to in the red room is fine by me <laughs> but it does it does raise an interesting question though is um is 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 around what's acceptable and what's not acceptable in cinema because this is you know it's a it's an emotionally powerful movie and its finale is one of the most gut-wrenching things um you know that's been that's been put in film in that way um 
but then there was this reaction that was like we can't show this movie or this is this is dangerous subject matter but looking at what else was coming out at the time you know it was the era of hyper violence you know you movies were apart from like the french extremity horror um movement of like the 2000s which is kind of what pieces of shit like hostel fed off of um sorry hostel is a piece of trash <laughs> <laughs> you, i've you, never seen it it's it's really bad really really bad um but but some of those those french movies that predated it and that came around along the same time had more of an more artistic merit but were very very gory um but you look at the action movies at the time those 18 rated action films um like the original terminator where you see him cutting out his own eye where you have um you have movies like total recall that came out a couple of years later which is incredibly gory um robocop things like that you know, they, they, some of them had a very strong message, you know, particularly Robocop, which is an all time great movie. Fight me, internet. It's the best movie the message ever made. being shoot people in the dick and everything will be fine. <laughs> yeah, shoot, shoot rapists in the dick and everything will be fine is the message of Robocop. Um, but, but what's interesting is, yeah, you look at that and you think they were fine with that being shown to, to that extent. But if you look at the the um the, the the censorship issue in American cinema in particular, so going back to do you know about the Hayes Code? Um, no. So that is something that came into effect, and in, I think around nineteen mid nineteen thirties, and effectively. Is this a bit like the Comics Code? <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, it was it was basically um don't do things like sex and drugs in cinema, and and before that point. It was more of a free reign in in what was going on in um, in in cinema, um, but then yeah, the Hayes Code came into effect, and it really curtailed what was shown. But what was interesting is the way that it it, it curtailed things like drug use and uh, and sex, which obviously have remained to this day. Where you you show you show a bit of penis, you're fucking eighteen rated, mate. Sorry. <laughs> you show someone's head getting blown up you'll probably get away with a 15 um and and it kind of it set this tone for what was acceptable in cinema and what wasn't acceptable in cinema and i think it's interesting how that narrative pushed forward where we got more and more accept acceptance of violence in cinema and less things like sex less like drugs and maybe less um less discussion around the the subject matters that come off those kind of topics and and the subject matters that come off other kind of topics because by curtailing what people were talking about um it's it maybe pushed our agenda in the wrong direction where we're more focused on how many people's heads we can blow up in a movie versus maybe we could talk about something different <laughs> yeah i was just looking at 1989 in film you got back to the future 2 dead poet society Bill and Ted, Indiana Jones, Batman, um, Turner and Hooch. I mean, that's a very controversial and disgusting movie. <laughs> it is. Well, we did have Weekend at Bernie's that year. Oh, really? <laughs> um, and and uh, License to Kill, the James Bond movie, that does actually have mm -hmm. someone's head exploding. I know that for a fact. Um, of course you do. We had, we had Roadhouse, Patrick Swayze, punching people in a bar. Mm -hmm. What more can you want? Um and um and we had uh, batman the original batman movie of well not yeah. the original original but the, the 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 michael keaton one is that the one with bat dance uh no bat dance pre oh do you mean the song bat dance yeah prince? the one that prince did the music for um so i oh, no, think that was that was later wasn't it I th no i think that was that one um unless he did the unless he did the music to the second um Unless he did the music to the second uh, Michael Keaton Batman as well, I think Batman. Uh, Bat that is a banger. It is that that whole soundtrack is great. Yeah, the Prince soundtrack. No, yeah, it it, it is that one, nineteen eighty nine. Yeah, we're gonna dance like a bat, like it's nineteen eighty nine. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, so that that in context, it just tells you a lot about kind of the racism of, of the time and how people would receive cinema. But it's it's important to think about that. But at the same time. Um, the the central thing that happens in it, which is ending in an incident of police brutality, thirty years on, yeah, thirty one years on, that shit is still happening, right? Oh yeah, yeah, for sure, 
um it, it hasn't changed in fact it's it's maybe even got worse because the police have become more militarized you know it's, it's become a bit of yeah. a, it's become a bit of a stale talking point now but police police are charging people that throw back um you know gas canisters at the at them as assault with a deadly weapon well what yeah. are the police doing when they're shooting tear gas at people and rubber bullets yeah um it's it's ridiculous um and and i think you know there's there's that question of um how much were the police getting away with without scrutiny at the time yeah um exactly how much of this stuff was actually being reported yeah yeah and and that and that's one of the scariest things about about this film um and and one of the things that rings most true about it is how it's such a tiny incident and although although you know there's there's bubbles of tension before that so you know um john turturro being outwardly aggressive and and racist and 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 saying inflammatory things um yeah the 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 stoke tension of there not being any um pictures of black people within the in the pizzeria um and and sort of the denial of service if they've if they've got their sound system on in in there all all boils over into this um this war of words that turns into a uh, a racist abuse that turns into an all-out fight um that then leads to the police committing this act of brutality that that destroys this um this place that was once a cornerstone of of the community um and 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 i th- i think that's one of the 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 scariest things about it is how it escalates so quickly from mild complaints to genuine hateful language to death in such a short amount of time yeah yeah but at the same time that scene is that kind of the climactic scene is the longest scene in the film and it's a very very long scene that feels like it's playing out in real time compared to the rest of the film where it's sort of jumping around and intercutting with all these monologues and the musical stuff and the radio voiceovers that is a really you know unique thing and obviously we see that in other films and obviously i think spike lee's technique there has been used in his work elsewhere and emulated by other people so it's not totally coming out of left field but it still feels like wow this guy this guy's telling a story in a way that's very very particular to him where he wants to give you a sense of the neighborhood and for it to be both an, a kind of auditory and you know sensory experience as well and to just give you just let the kind of the neighborhood and the idea of it wash over you by cutting in and out of scenes it doesn't feel super linear until you get to that moment and it's like okay this long scene is happening now and this is what it's really about yes yeah exactly um and 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 you're right that it, it does all sort of build up to that moment in a way where you know it, it feels almost like a fly on the wall um sort of situation for people looking in at this community and and, and the different conversations that happen therein um before then being thrown into this this moment of violence um and it's it is it is um it is it is really stark that contrast between the two and 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 that's something that that um that spike lee's done before so um the the end of black Klansman without saying anything about you is it's it um then again does that kind of flip reverse where you know you have this kind of uplifting ish ending before giving them a gut punch of what society's really like and he he's an expert at doing that and and getting through to the root of what's going on and 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 what life is about and what life is really like yeah for sure the the tone of at least that kind of first bit up until that point it reminded me a little bit of slacker you seen slacker yeah yeah yeah, um, just the, vaguely. Um, just it's it's not like that valid a comparison, but it had a vaguely tonally similar thing, didn't it? Of just sort of jumping in between stories, and maybe the way it was shot as well reminded me a bit of that. Yeah, yeah, I can see, um, I can see similarities there as well. Um, oh, Richard Linklater. Yeah, um, I mean, I think this this says a lot more politically than any of Richard Linklater's work ever does. <laughs> Although, obviously, yeah. making a film that took twelve years to make is a political statement in and of itself yeah exactly yeah the the I, I suppose the only i'm trying to think of of political statements within his films and i guess the only one i can think of is a scanner darkly which have you seen a scanner Darkly? yeah yeah um which is cool very I, I love the, the is it rotoscoping the yeah, animation technique yeah. yeah 
It's a very interesting film that, and obviously that's got a lot of discussions about, um, you know, uh, the drug trade, the the illegal drug trade, and the way that governments play a role in it and everything like that. Yeah, um, which, but is, no, which is interesting. His most political work, I think, is actually School of Rock, which <laughs> he either wrote it and didn't direct it, or directed it, but someone else wrote it, and I can never remember which. But um, anyway, because they all talk about sticking it to the man, right? Exactly, and that's what it's all about. Is yeah, you got to stick it to the man. Yeah, take that, yeah, man. It was it was written by no, because because yeah, he directed it, and it was written by the guy who plays the proper teacher in it. Oh um, yeah, Ned Schneebly. Yeah, Ned Schneebly, um, who also wrote Orange County, if you remember. Oh God. yeah, yeah, Orange County. Orange County? Right? Orange County was not a great film, but it had that one Foo Fighters song on the soundtrack <laughs> that was like one of their best songs, and never yeah. appeared on any album, and you can't even find it anywhere. Yeah, we Apart could on YouTube. We could um we could watch that for this podcast. There's some romance in that, isn't there? Yeah, there is, yeah. Some, we could have some hijinks of terrible nonsense. I I remember very little about that movie apart from it's got Tom Hanks's son in it. Jack Black's Jack in, Black it. in it. Yeah. Fooling around, doing his Jack Black thing. You won't tell me what to do, man. I'm anti establishment. I'm Jack Black. <laughs> I love Jack Black. I I really do. That's yeah, yeah, same. Makes me really happy. I think he's actually a really genuine and great guy. Yes, yeah. And is more interesting and his has a more interesting career than people realise and than people give him credit for. I think. Oh yeah, for sure. Um, what's that movie he was in um, a few years ago? What was it called? Um, where he was Nacho Libre. <laughs> yeah, Nacho Libre. That's what I'm thinking of. Uh, that that's a. <laughs> Um, it was Kung Fu it Panda. Called, was it called Bernie? <laughs> Bernie, I watched that on a plane. Yeah, where that's he's a, a Richard Linklater film. Yeah, yeah, that's an interesting movie. That's a bizarre um, film, but I did enjoy it. Yeah, yeah, I like that a lot. And obviously, obviously, Kung Fu Panda. I, I low key yeah. love the Kung Fu Panda movies. <laughs> I think yeah. there's something magical about them. Um, yeah, but uh, oh, Bernie, we should. I don't know if there's any romance in it, but that film is like peak Linklater. What I love is when you see him turning up in random things when he was very, very young. So he's 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 one of the like wastelanders in Demolition Man. Have you ever watched Demolition Man? No, I haven't. It is a super fun action movie with with Wesley Snipes and Sylvester Stallone, and he turns up just as this extra. I don't even think he's got any um any lines of dialogue in it. He also plays one of the jet skiers in Waterworld, who works for um who works for Dennis Hopper's character. Um, it's just great seeing, um, and and of course his his, his standout role. I've, I've just looked him up on IMDb because I swear there was one I was forgetting. And yeah, this is it. He turns up in the sequel to I Know What You Did Last Summer as a white Rastafarian man who gets murdered. Who's like the first person to be murdered? <laughs> it's amazing. <laughs> of course, like, low key. Also, I love the I Know What You Did Last Summer movies. They are so good. I've seen um, the first one. I remember watching that. The second the one's on a tropical island in a thunderstorm. It's great. Of course it is. Um, yeah. Freddie Prince Jr., we're here for you forever and yeah. always. Oh, we, st- we want to play hacky sack with you when coronavirus we, is over. <laughs> we stand our Freddie Prince. Jr. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Not as much as I stand Matthew Lillard. No, no. My hair, true. my lockdown hair is getting very shaggy from Scooby Doo. So I've been wa- I want to watch the. Um, scooby-doo movie with him in for inspiration i i i really like that film actually i think it's underrated yeah the, um, for sure live action one with him in which was written by um what's his face who did um who did um guardians of the galaxy james gunn yeah james gunn wrote it really i did yeah. not know that he wrote it and he also wrote scooby-doo 2 as well i think wow yeah yeah, I'm looking at pictures of Matthew Lillard in this film now. This is definitely is the direction my hair's going in. <laughs> it's funny because um, I look like uh, I look just like Sarah Michelle Gellar now. Um, that that's what's happened to me in lockdown. So uh, yeah, it is interesting that. So we just um, need to get a dog that can talk. <laughs> yeah, um, listeners, who have you turned into from the cast of Scooby Doo? Have you turned into Freddie yeah. Prince Jr.? Have you turned into Linda Cardellini? Photographic evidence required, please. Have you turned into a Great Dane? Please let us know. Answers on a postcard. Yeah. Dogs? I just heard the dogs there. Dogs? (laughs) Um, I just just heard your doggies. Dog outside your place. 
Yep, that's that's Scooby Doo. That's Scooby Doo. Yep. Sounds a bit more like Scrappy Doo. Oh God, Scrappy Doo! <laughs> I legitimately hate Scrappy Doo. You know who's worse than Scrappy Doo though? Who? Um, is is do you remember the other terrible dog that they added to Scooby Doo after Scrappy Doo? I um, sure as hell do not. Scooby Dumb, who's like redneck no. Scooby Doo? No, that's not. That's no. I, I refuse to accept this. Like if 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 um if Scrappy Doo was like the death knell of the show, then then Scooby Dumb was that final death rattle. Out of the Wait, throat. He's wearing a hat. I'm looking at a picture of him now. He's wearing some kind of red hat, and he's he's like bug-eyed and with a big tooth. Yeah, he's from he's from the south. And um... all right, that's that's very politically correct. Let's carry on. <laughs> and there's like there's a girl dog. There's there's a girl dog as well. Is there? Yeah, there's like a vaguely sexy white great dane in some of these pictures <laughs> vaguely sexy white great dane you know in that way the cartoon characters are like they can't make them genuinely sexy but the people making them want to have a bit of fun right? oh yeah like scrappy do yeah exactly <laughs> that's what turns me on but let me add them let me add them action <laughs> um do you remember do you remember the tv movies of scooby-doo that came out when we were kids yeah of course. They were really good. Like, so I remember, many sheet ghosts. I remember them being amazing. Like I imagine they probably held up incredibly poorly, but um but I yeah, I really loved them. I thought they were great. Yeah. We need to do like a Scooby Doo special, don't we? There, there's romance in Scooby Doo. We yeah. can watch the we could we could pick out a few episodes. Um we could watch the Johnny Bravo specials. Do you remember that? Yeah, yeah. Where Johnny Bravo turned up in Scooby Doo. And um do you know the show Supernatural? It's the most ambitious crossover event in history. <laughs> exactly. Um, yes, I've heard of it, but I haven't seen it. So there is an episode of Supernatural where they turn up in Scooby-Doo. Like, I'm not even kidding. It's amazing. It's In it's cartoon. In, yeah, in cartoon form. Um, and then the, the cast of the Scooby-Doo TV series turn up as the cast in the animated show. So Matthew Lillard is shaggy still. It's so good. Um, Excellent. Yeah, it's really, really funny. Um, Supernatural is a show that I like. It is a big, dumb, wonderful idiot show, and I'm I I fully enjoy it because it's just melodrama and hunting monsters, and that, that's what I want from my television. That's all you can ask ask yeah, for, right? I want that from my television, and I want stuff like do the right thing from my movies. Yeah, te- te- the politics has no place in television, only in film. <laughs> television should be objective it should be all cartoons of dogs. <laughs> it, should, it should all be crime fighting dogs, dogs. Uh, that's what we want um yep. yeah <laughs> um so so yeah it's um yeah i i do the right thing is a really good film i had never seen it before and this is one of those times where you watch a film and you're like i can't believe i've never seen this like where has this been all my life this is incredible this genuinely like I would say this is now one of my favourite films and I want to watch it. Like, it finished and I mm. immediately wanted to watch it again and I haven't, obviously, because I have work and a child, but it's it affected me that way and I felt like I could, could have immediately watched it again and seen things I didn't see before and gotten things out of it that I didn't get the first time around and I think even on multiple viewings, there probably would be little things you'd notice that you maybe didn't see before or you'd engage more with certain, more of the peripheral characters, actually. Like um, Samuel L. Jackson as the radio guy, for example, who I, I think is just incredible. Yes, yeah, he's great. Really great in this. Um, and I, I think this might have been my introduction to Samuel L. Jackson, actually. Really? Um, yeah. I, I, I'm not sure whether I watched this or... It sounds weird, but it might have been Deep Blue Sea. <laughs> you know, either this acclaimed, wonderful comedy drama movie or giant... <laughs> artificially intelligent sharks eat people it was one or the other but i think it was around the same time um yeah it's uh something else that film um but but I can't remember have, have you watched much of spike lee's um i realize uh, um filmography? looking at this i don't think i actually have no obviously i'm aware of him and of his work but i think there's actually not much of his work that i've seen at all so i now de- I definitely have a lot of catching up to do well, another one that we could we could definitely watch for this is She's Gotta Have It, which I think was his, his, yeah. his debut. 
so yeah we could we could definitely watch that um i've his his um biopic of malcolm x with denzel washington is um it's really good i i, I remember vividly how good that was um and then yeah cool. black, black in terms of his recent recent films black Klansman is is very very good and obviously he's now got um the five bloods which is just yeah, come to Netflix. Netflix um, looks which, good. Yeah, really need to watch that. Um, haven't got around to watching it yet, but um, it looks very interesting. Yeah, it's a it's a war um, a war film that I think actually looks good. So you know, it's a very rare thing for you to <laughs> want to watch a war movie. Um, yeah, but yeah, I I loved this. I loved to do the right thing from the second it started with you know, and it's got fight the power that the song that like keeps on coming back. But it opens with kind of a. A, a dance sequence and a proper title sequence like he used to have back in the 80s you know they don't they don't have those anymore do they but it just it kind of jumps straight in and it's it's a i would say it's a dialogue heavy film and the dialogue is very very kind of it's very smart and it's very funny and it's very fast but at the same time it feels like it has something of a languid pace and it, in a way it's an extremely realistic film even though it's heavily stylized and really funny as well yes yeah it, it is it's um it, I think that comes back to sort of the, the the same atmosphere almost as slacker um, in terms of the way that it's structured and things like that. I think it all comes back around to that. And I think, I don't know, I, I like I like Richard Linklater's work, but I think that this is much more effective at having that kind of um, languid pace um, while still keeping people entertained and, and having an important message to tell. Um, I'm not sure if you agree with me on that, but I, no, I, I think I, this I is totally more effective. Agree. Yeah, 100%. It's a really, really engaging story. And actually, even, even if you were to take out the, the the climactic scene and then just sort of have it sort of peter out with a few more of those scenes, a bit like something like Slacker does without really having a plot, it would still be a funny and engaging film. And obviously, you wouldn't want that. But if you were to do that, it would still work. And that's a real testament to... Um, spike lee's genius as as a director and a writer but also as an actor as well yeah and it's weird seeing him um in his own in his own movies and he, he's it's done it quite little, a lot little boy in a Jack, jackie robinson brooklyn dodgers shirt and uh yeah he's, he's done appreciated it quite a... that <laughs> he's, although he's, he's playing it. a 25 year old he's our age in that film but... yeah yeah um he, he's he's done it quite a lot in um in his movies over the years um but it's always it always surprises me when i see him and i'm like oh okay even though i know that he he does it quite a lot it's um yeah it's it's uh, interesting yeah that's good but even though he's essentially the protagonist as it were he's on the periphery of most of the action and that really really works as well again to give you a flavor of the the neighborhood that it's set in and the culture and the community it feels like it gets a, it hints at a sense of community and even though there's this terrible thing that happens within the community, it's you still walk, you still come away from it feeling that that sense of closeness and community that's really kind of welcoming and uplifting. Yes, yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, it's yeah. There's, there's very few movies that I think encapsulate that sense of community in the same way, um, and and showcase the the positives and negatives of that in such a strong way. Um, so it's yeah, it's 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 a really effective film i think i think that's you know people talk about um like the 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 emotional power behind it a lot and rightly so but i think um the the effectiveness and how cleverly it's put together i think is something that's sometimes overlooked you know this is a smart movie and it's a well-structured movie in spite of what appears to be unconventional it's it's unconventional but it's very very methodically created yeah it's an incredibly smart movie that reads like a slacker comedy but it's not like smart because it's slacker if that makes sense like some people think that Richard Linklater's work is smarter than it is and I think he's a smart guy and I love his work but it's like this is on another level yes yeah yeah for sure definitely I know I keep comparing him to Richard Linklater when it's really it's a completely different ball game but it's just it's only because this tonally reminded me of slacker which came out vaguely around the same time (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, and I for kept sure. thinking it for sure. Um, Maybe it's something to do with like color schemes and stuff as being altered as well, because the colors apparently the the production the producers um, changed the color scheme quite a lot in this film, or did a lot of work on the color to to really get across the feeling of it being a heat wave. And I think they did an amazing job on that as well. Yeah, definitely. I think you know it's an incredibly vibrant film um, that 
you know it, it does it does sum up that atmosphere incredibly well in terms of the heat wave just in the way that it looks um so yeah i, I think that was a, a really clever decision for them to make yeah for sure and you know all of the everyone in the cast does a great job as well i think you got danny aiello who apparently the, he wanted robert de niro but couldn't get robert de niro and i think honestly danny did a better job than de niro would have done as sal yeah i think so as well and i think there is He's some... our dad friend from moonstruck <laughs> yes exactly um and i think there's something to be said about getting someone who's more of a um character actor and less of a well-known star um to allow you to really get into the moment and i think you know when you've when you watch a robert de niro movie as great an actor as he is i think apart from you know those early exceptions like taxi driver um you kind of just see him and think oh it's robert de niro whereas here you're able to lose yourself in the moment and have an incredibly effective performance from him um where i i think he's one of the one of the incredibly interesting characters in this movie um and I think, yeah, I, I can't imagine someone else doing as good a job as Dan Ayal did. No, and obviously there's the whole thing where he he's just kind of trying to keep the peace, isn't he? But he's the one who ends up being part of the violent confrontation when it's actually his son who's the one who's overtly racist. And all of that stuff hints at the, you know, the complexity of people from different backgrounds and different communities living together under an, an oppressive culture, as you say, an oppressive police culture, people thinking it's it's their neighbourhood and this, that, and whatever, and they can't share, and that's because of capitalism and the police state, right? Yes, yeah, you've got um, you've, you've got white supremacy inherent in the system, you've got this police state, you've got the pressures of a capitalist society where people can't just live their own lives, um, and all of that is a powder keg, really, um, yeah. that that eventually boils over when um when the injustices of it get too much and i think that's that's what really happens here and it it talks about this generational um divide as well in terms of racism where it's in spite of how generous and and you know polite and calm someone can appear on the surface i think there there's that there is that um that that racism inherent in in the way that our our lives are created that that can turn up and i think that's exactly what happens with sal here um it's the same as sorry to bring it to something a lot less complicated and interesting but whenever someone has a heated gaming moment where they say some kind of horrible (laughs) racial slur on a live stream um and they say i knew you were going to talk about pudes eventually (laughs) Well, when 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 someone comes up and says, um, you know, oh, it was just, uh, uh, you know, it just came up, uh, and you know, I got I got angry or I got annoyed and frustrated, and I just said it. It's like, well, why did your mind go to that place in the first place? Because those kind of words only show up in your vocabulary as a as a reaction if they're used regularly enough in your vocabulary in the first place. Yeah. Um and I think I think that's something that's often overlooked is you know a lot you know a lot of people do not use racial slurs and never use racial slurs <laughs> and so you know I I'm a I'm an emotional man sometimes not in terms of getting sad because I'm a husband Not not on this show. But um but you know I can get I can get angry and you know where my mind goes when I get angry I swear a lot. And 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 but you can see that where there is that kind of racism whether it's you know um explicit racism those kind of thoughts of supremacy or whether it is that more nebulous cultural racism that allows those kind of um those kind of ideas to fester there's still that element there and i think that's you know that's again something that hasn't really changed between you know modern day uh and 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 when this film was released yeah for sure and yeah, there's there's all those scenes where people are saying like really overtly and horrible racist stuff to the camera, like directly into the camera as well. But that's intercut with all the kind of the joy and the fun of the neighborhood and the sense of the community. And it's juxtaposed there perfectly in a way that you know that this stuff is there and the film wants you to confront it head on. It says, this is, this is what racism looks like. This is what kind of actually real, real overt violent lang- violent racist language looks like but also now we're back to Mookie delivering his pizzas but then it's there beneath the surface so again it's just it builds perfectly through the film as well yes yeah for sure for sure the way it um you know handles 
racism as a whole is is you know really really well done yeah and, and it's that- complicated as well because you've got the korean guys across the road as well and the the you got the black guy who's being very very racist towards them when he's trying to buy batteries from them, and then later on, after they burnt down cells, they're all like, "You're next," and he's like, "No, I'm not white. I'm not white." And then the, it's the old man who has to say to them, "You know, these guys these guys are good." Yeah, and and again, that that shows the kind of tribalism and racism it comes across in many forms, and it comes across you know regardless of of what um, of of what heritage you are, but equally that. Um, each person's experience of racism is very different and there's different ways in which our society treats people based on their race which means that their understanding of what racism is regardless of whether they've they've experienced racism um, is going to be different from someone who's of a different background of a different ethnicity um, just because of the way that that society has historically treated people and that scene kind of encapsulates that incredibly well where they say you know no we're not we're not white we're not white we're the same as you it's like well you know in in terms of their 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 treatment by the states there are different ways in which um in which you know people of korean heritage and people of black heritage have have been treated um so although they they both have shared um racist treatment by the state it's been done in very very different ways and that, and that's again a really important message for this movie to put out. Yeah, for sure. And obviously, even Sal and his guys—they're Italian, so they they trace their heritage back to Italy. So everyone there it traces it back to you know immigration of relatively recent memory, and that's the good thing as well about the US. There's there's none of it doesn't set it up as kind of there's you know Trump loving white American types, you know whatever they would have been thirty years ago going oh, this is our America, why don't you go back to wherever? It's actually all between different communities, but who are all part of the same community. And I think it gets that sense of America, and and New York in particular, across as well. And Brooklyn as well, I suppose. He took it back to the the neighbourhood where he grew up and filmed it there, which is great. Yes, and uh, this this actually ties into one of my favourite cultural theories, which... You've obviously heard of the mul- uh, the melting pot, haven't you? The melting pot theory of of all of these different cultures combining into one sort of coalesced mixture. But do you know about the salad bowl theory? <laughs> no. So the the salad bowl theory, which actually is often used to discuss New York, is um, the idea that um, people don't people wouldn't just merge their ideas together and merge their heritages together, but instead it would all combine into um in, into one identity but while still maintaining their own individual points so it's like it, you know it's like eating a salad you've got oh here's a bit of here's a crouton here's some here's some dressing here's some uh here's some leaf here's a nice bit of chicken um a, bit, uh, a square of parmesan cheese yeah exactly you know we're, we're all in a delicious caesar salad right now um and but it all comes together so it's it's all one thing but all of these different heritages have their own part to play in it and that that's the salad bowl theory which is often yes yeah, i think that's a, a neat neat metaphor for what i was trying to get at with what i was just saying but wasn't expressing it very eloquently because <laughs> it's the evening and it's been a very very hot day yes it has <laughs> been a very hot day um but yeah so listeners <clears throat> do you like the the salad bowl theory i like the salad bowl theory i think it's very clever um and you know it's 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 one of the best ways to kind of um fight off the idea of have you heard about the 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 white replacement theory that lots of fascists put forward no um it's one of the stupidest things i won't go into it in too much detail because it's giving it too much airtime but basically people think white people are being replaced and white history is being replaced i want oh, to oh no eat, yeah no i, I have heard i want this. to eat they're holding signs a... saying <laughs> Um, Jews will not replace us. Or exactly, it is, exactly. Right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and so, you know, uh, my my heritage as a white man is to eat mayonnaise out of a jar and watch <laughs> Friends. That's all that white people have contributed to society. That's, that's white and culture. God damn it! Well, people are not going to take away my bland food and insipid entertainment with things more thought provoking and delicious. Um, yeah, that that's that's it. If you if you in any way think that the the white replacement theory is real, then get the fuck off our podcast. Yeah. Quite simply, why we are you want, listening to this? Yeah, we don't want your we don't want your your um your your money is is not welcome here. Get out. Not that we charge anything, but get out anyway. 
<laughs> yeah, well, we do have a supporter feature now. So, you know, if that's what you believe, then don't give us your money. Yeah, or give or, it to us anyway. Give it to us and we won't give it back to you. <laughs> yeah. fuck you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> give us give us your money. Can quit. I say something about friends? Yeah. Friends is shit. <laughs> friends was maybe okay at the time because there wasn't as much other stuff around, but... Why it seems to have endured, I have no idea. If you ever catch it on the TV, it has aged so badly. I find that Friends is is fine comfort watching. It's one of those things where you can put it on and you know exactly what's happening because you've seen it a million times before. So you can just put it on in the background whilst you're doing something else and it's fine. Um, but yeah, it has, it has aged incredibly poorly. But if you want to watch something from that era, there's like, you know, there's Seinfeld, there's Frasier, there's loads of other stuff that's similar, but way better. Or you could not watch a boring as shit sitcom from the 90s and watch a superior modern comedy. Yeah. <laughs> that, that's the way I think about it. Is <laughs> so, Sorry, Seinfeld, yeah, I get it was revolutionary at the time. It's aged so fucking badly as well. It's, it's not Aww, aged as... I, I love Seinfeld. It's not aged as badly as Friends has, um, which is understandable because it's a little bit smarter. Um, but it's, uh, it's, 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 it's still boring. It's still a set-based sitcom. You might as well be watching <laughs> Home Improvement for all I care. Oh, Home Improvement, yeah. Which is, which is also a piece of shit. Um... <laughs> <laughs> Seinfeld, very good, very good. <laughs> um, go and watch It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, which oh, is a sitcom so which has not aged at all, and you can still go because back because they're the... still making it. Well, yes, but, but they've been making it for X years now. When was the first series? It's fucking all the way back. They're in on like season two thousand fifteen now. I think. Yeah, my dad has a podcast about it, which you should listen to. It's called Jabronis yes. Only. I'll put the link in the show notes. But they do it an is... episode at random, so they have a random number generator that picks an episode for them, which I think is quite a nice way to do it. But yeah, it's, it's yeah, really it's a very nice good. Look Highly recommended. It's a very good podcast. So go and listen to it. Yeah, um, and watch it's always sunny in Philadelphia because it's smart and funny and crude. It's got lots of poo humor at times. <laughs> but it has but layers, also, man. It has, yeah. it has layers. Yeah. Layers like a pooey onion. <laughs> that's, that's what it's always sunny is. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> anyway, right. Have you got anything else you'd like to say about um, that? Just that I, I think Do the Right Thing is a film that everyone should watch now, honestly, because the way it builds up, and especially actually watching it now, 30 odd years on, you're looking at this, you're going, you can tell this is from the 80s. You, it has that kind of stylization around it um and it it looks there's it looks there's a nostalgic look to it that you can engage with on that level but when it gets to that climactic scene that just feels like so relevant to now and it it's it's shocking and it is depressing as well that obviously now things have probably gotten worse you know for people in america in terms of police brutality over the last 30 years but it's a it's a really really affecting and important film but it's also really engaging and uplifting, and I loved it. Oh, good stuff, good stuff. Um, yeah, it's. I'm. I'm glad you enjoyed it, and I'm glad that you felt that it's. It's held up as well, because yeah, it's. Um, it's a. It's an incredibly powerful film. And, the only and gripe like, that I have is with the. Um, I don't think it's. Um, you know, representation and portrayal of women is particularly progressive for the time, and no, the, the and kind of. Did, did you know scene, about the way that she it was, was uncomfortable yeah. with it? And yeah, so that's that's not great. No, so you, you know, no. you could you could cut the the um the scene between him and Tina out, and I don't think you'd really lose much. So that's a bit of an unfortunate scene for the time. Yes, yeah. So she wasn't really consenting to to do that scene, and although she said since then she does she hasn't minded it. Um, you know, if someone at the time does not want to do it, then you shouldn't do it, even if it's supposedly integral to your movie. Yeah. Um, so yeah, which so I don't really believe cool. that it was. No, no. Um, so, so it's not. It's not perfect. So there, there, there. That's the only real issue that I have with it. But it is still a fantastic film. If you can just kind of put that to one side. I mean, yeah. To make it perfect, they could have replaced that scene with a robot cop shooting someone in the dick. Yeah, definitely. And that would have been another cop, preferably. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, right. So um, yeah. So uh, how are we going to to rate this? Out of Let's out of twenty, see. how many batteries do you need to buy to put in your boombox? 
Uh, so uh, it's going to. This is aside. I love to see someone walking around with a giant boombox. I think people should do that more often. <laughs> I mean, it must happen in East London somewhere now, surely. Yeah, it's got to yeah. got to happen somewhere down in Shoreditch Way. Um, so for me, it's eighteen, eighteen batteries. Yeah, I I'm gonna I'm gonna go even higher. I'm gonna give it a nineteen. I just I really really loved it and thought it was it was great on so many levels. And yeah, we'll dock that one point for the. Um, the romance being, you know, not very well handled, which is obviously what we're all about. But yeah, from every other point of view, it's a it's a brilliant film. Yeah, sure, sure. Um, good stuff. So yeah, that's that's high up on our list. So that's up there. I haven't um, updated the charts in about 100 episodes, but I will <laughs> at some point go through and catalogue it all. At some point, at some point we will do. Um, so we really right. need some nerd fans who can do this shit for us. Yeah, come on, fans, come and you know start a want... subreddit for it. And get <laughs> yeah, all the big done. boys Reddit. That's all we want. Yeah, um, or a Discord. <laughs> we could we I could get a Discord game. I know what a Discord is. We could, of course we could you do. You're a, a gamer. Yeah, I'm a I'm a mad games boy. I love that, the gaming. That's how you know about um, how gamers say the M word because that's what's on Discord. Yeah, that's exactly right. Um, yeah so anyway right next up um i thought yes, what are we doing next well i thought oh you know what we could watch another spike lee movie so she, we could watch she's got to have it or we could watch um jungle fever or something like that but instead i thought you know what it's been a while since we watched a shit piece um, it actually has feels like it's been a really long time yeah and i think you know a lot of the shit pieces we watch star white leads. And I think we need to recognize that black leads are also just as good at creating shit piece movies. Um, so we are going to be watching um, a movie called Obsessed from 2009. Um, it stars Beyonce and Idris Elba. And it looks like the kind of thing. That... I've never heard of this. <laughs> what the fuck? Um, I remember hearing about it back at the time. I've never watched it. It looks like the kind of beautiful trash fire that we will fully enjoy. Oh, um, and Ali Lata. Yeah. She was in, what was she in that we watched? She's been in a couple of things. Yeah, yeah. Um, so f- for me, she's always um, Final Destination, but she's in Legally Blonde yeah. as well. That's um, right. Oh, no, no, no. She was in Pitch, which is the TV show about the first, fictional TV show about the first ma- woman playing Major League Baseball, which is an absolutely amazing show. I only got one season, never got renewed. Genuinely one of the best TV shows ever made. You should go and watch it. She was in that. But it is, it's sports. I ain't got time for that nonsense. Sports. Sports. She's also, she's also in the Resident Evil movies, some of them. Oh, really? More power to you. <clears throat> um, yeah, all over that. Um, but yeah, so we're going to be watching. Wait, wait, this. wait, 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 wait. Magic Johnson was executive producer on this film. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> this looks brilliant. I'm yeah. really excited so, about this. Uh, you know, I've not seen it. I've heard things. Um, I'm very excited to, to, to watch it. Uh, just to let you know, one of the plot keywords on IMDb is sexually frustrated female. <laughs> so you know it's going to be good. <laughs> Are you looking at the poster for this? Half of Idris Elba's head is cropped out. <laughs> yep. Um, Worst poster I've ever seen. Well, who knows? Maybe there's some plot significance to that. Maybe his Maybe head gets there covered is. or something. Who knows? Um, yeah. I just hope it's better than Secret Obsession. Well, I that's what I'm thinking. This is going to be yeah the the better version of Secret Obsession. Um, yeah. So sorry, no more highbrow. We need to get back to shit pieces. So obsessed. Very good. Next. I'm really excited to watch that. Excellent, excellent. Cool. All right, well, I'm, I think that's all we need to say this evening, isn't it? It's hot, so, you know, go and chill. Go and find the coolest part of your house, curl up in it with some ice cubes and chill, you know? Yeah, for me, I'm going to just keep singing Smooth by Santana, featuring Rob Thomas. Because you're which, so smooth. Which is obviously the song about hot days. <laughs> Man, it's a hot one. Man, it's a hot one. Um, yeah. So, uh, yeah, keep it, keep it groovy, everybody. Keep it groovy. Listen to Santana. (laughs) 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 Give me your heart, make it real, or I'll just forget about about it. it. You know that that is genuinely a banger. Yeah, that's one of my karaoke songs. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, Careless Whisper is one of them, but I think yeah. actually Smooth is my favourite karaoke song. 
Um, yeah, it's we a karaoke do, classic. We should go do karaoke when when lockdown's over. That's how That's... I want to get coronavirus. <laughs> yeah, I I want to get it from singing karaoke. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That would be a way to go. Coronaoke. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say something profound about smooth. Um, oh no, I was just going to remind us of the episode where we did keeping the faith, where they use it, where they're like the hip ministers and they're walking down the road in the leather jackets. That's that's a great great scene. <laughs> that is a very good scene. All oh, right. Dude. Well, thanks a lot for tuning in. We really really appreciate it. And again, um, stay safe. Defund the police. Black Lives Matter. Keep it political. Fight the power. Um, watch do the right thing and do the right thing. <laughs> and watch obsessed. And watch obsessed. Yeah, in time for next week. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, thanks a lot. Really appreciate it. And you can find us on Twitter at Big Boys Don't Pod on the email at Big Boys Don't Cry Podcast at gmail.com. Yes. What did you think of Do the Right Thing? Does it hold up for you? What yes. do you think doing the right thing means? Those, yeah. those are our, that, that's your homework. If it Get involves throwing us. a bin through a window, you're good. If you could throw a bin through anybody's window, whose window would you throw it through? Oh my God. Boris Johnson's, obviously. Uh, I'd find like a really smelly wheelie bin as well. It's like overflowing with rotten stuff. <laughs> just just light a dumpster on fire and just wheel it towards number 10. <laughs> yeah, just like push it through that gate <laughs> while the cops arrest me and beat me. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Um, uh, that, that, yeah, that's something to think about. Who Whose window would you smash with a bin? Yeah, tell us. On on the Twitter, on the emails. Love I would smash the windows of one of the members of Slipknot who hits a bin just for the irony. Oh, of yeah. He'd now the bin's coming for you, mate. <laughs> no, you he, like he'd it? be all about that. He'd be like, yes, my dream has come true, finally. <laughs> Sentient, aggressive bins. It's what Slipknot's been after for years. Yep. For it's more just... Slipknot chats. <laughs> yeah, for, for more Slipknot chat and chat about other new metal bands, um, listen to our other show, Pod Durst. Yeah, which is on talk, Twitter at Poddust. We talk about new metal. It's fun. We do. It's really fun. We started having guests as well, yeah. which is crazy, but it's going really well and it's really fun. Yes. And we're sure. still, I think, in the honeymoon period of talking about the, the big and good bands from the new metal era. You know, we have we haven't got down to the spine shank or trapped <laughs> yet. So That's where we're going next though. I'm gonna I'm gonna take you places that you wish you'd <laughs> never been. That sounds like a lyric from a new metal song that you're trying <laughs> to drop in. Maybe it is. Maybe it is. <laughs> Who knows? Um, anyway, right. Oh, we'll, we'll talk to you all next time. Good times. We're back next week to talk about Obsessed. All right. Bye-bye. All right. Bye. Tell me your heart, make it real, or else forget about it.